1: Sports is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Enjoy the show.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. As we check in with uh, Chris Marlowe, the voice of the uh, t- television voice of the Denver Nuggets. So, what have you been doing since September the 26th? Working, working hard.
2: Uh, what have I been doing? Uh, preparing for. Preseason game, uh, gathering
0: notes, uh, stuff like that. So the first preseason game, I think, for the Nuggets is tomorrow against Golden State. That that is correct. And that's an intriguing team to play because we all know about the disaster for them last year. And they still lose uh, Clay Thompson for this year again. Uh, They still have Steph Curry and I, I think that and Draymond Green, who I don't think is supposed to play tomorrow night, but I'm not sure about that. Um, are still a team to be reckoned with, right? Um, uh, Steve Kerr's an excellent coach. I can still see them in the playoff picture, probably at the, in the bottom three spots. Yeah, that's,
2: that, that may be fairly accurate. Uh, it, it, it's hard to judge them without Clay Thompson. Uh, you're right about Draymond Green. He's not expected to play tomorrow night. Neither is James Weissman from what we've been told. Uh, but it's kind of an interesting, uh, uh, an interesting setup, just in terms of the Nuggets, who kind of want to, uh, you know, they, they don't want to play their veterans too much tomorrow night. They're, they're, they're looking as they go, and um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of a game it is. You know, Michael Malone told me yesterday he just wants to make sure he gets through the game without anybody being
0: injured. So I guess that's a good goal. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, the Nuggets kind of uh, you know surprised some people—not you probably—and not a lot of people that follow the team. Uh, But they got to the um, to the Western Finals last year uh, after surviving Utah down three to one, surviving the Clippers down three to one, and they shocked the world to get to the Western Finals. Uh, Do you think it was a surprise to anybody outside of the organization? Uh, I think it was a surprise to everybody,
2: including those in the organization. I I think that there was, uh, you know, there was just a lot of run, a lot of talk about uh, the other teams. Uh, I don't think anybody really thought that the Nuggets uh, would advance to the Western Conference final. I think they were helped out, Howard. Uh, by and large, however, uh, just by having those games in the bubble, so they didn't have to go on the road. Uh, game five at Utah, they didn't have to go on the road. Uh, you know, they just had some things going for them that were that were really good. So, uh, all in all, it was a it was a really good performance. Uh, can they be a little bit better this year? Maybe. Uh, they certainly
0: have one of the deepest rosters in the league, so we'll see how it turns out. Uh, everybody was um, in awe of the performance of Jamal Murray in particular. Uh, from the standpoint of, I mean, he kind of exploded onto the scene out of Kentucky where he was the seventh overall pick of the 2016 draft. And I, I did a little research, Chris. I'm looking over the guys that preceded him in the draft. I mean, Ben Simmons was the number one overall pick. Okay, he's a big-time star in Philadelphia. But then Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown, who's done very well in Boston, uh, Dragon Bender, Chris Dunn, who's now uh, with the Atlanta Hawks, Buddy Heald, and then Jamal Murray. Uh, I don't know, uh, if you look at the performance of Jamal Murray, uh, if anybody made a bigger impact on the NBA in the bubble. Well, he think the Nuggets have been waiting for him to explode uh
2: waiting for him to turn the corner so to speak and I think in the bubble he did he uh I, I thought in the first series against Utah he played like a man possessed I, I really thought that that you know he was one of those guys that that was just unbelievably skilled unbelievably talented and he played with kind of a passion you know the whole social media thing was going on there he played with a a passion that was was surprising uh and he was really good and i think at the end of the bubble when he scored 40 in that final game uh that really took a lot of the load off him so
0: uh, a really good performance well you know the thing that's I I, it it is it's obviously a major positive is how young this roster is. I mean Murray's twenty three, Jokic is twenty four, Michael Porter is what twenty two. I mean this is a young squad that uh, that the the upside is tremendous. Yes, and that's that's kind of
2: the the good and the bad of it. If you know what I'm saying, they have talent uh, top to bottom, one through seventeen. Uh, they can be really, really good this year, but they have to kind of figure out uh, the slots, where everybody's going to play, how they're going to do, and uh, they need a jump from Michael Porter Jr. I think that's the big key to the
3: season uh, for the Nuggets. If he evolves into the third star, which most people think he
2: can, then uh, the Nuggets are going to be set. I I think uh, we'll see because Malone is reluctant to play Porter some of the times because of his defense. But, you know, I think he's coming around to the fact that the Nuggets are never going to be a great defensive team, but what
0: they can be is a fabulous offensive team. So we'll we'll see about that. Hey, Chris, uh, you know, talk about this roster and uh, what's changed from last year. Well, they lost three players, Mason
2: Plumlee, Torrey Craig, and Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant was the big surprise uh, they, they, they didn't realize that, uh, that they were going to lose him. Uh, so they went out and, uh, they signed up some new guys. Uh, they got to Michael Green from the Clippers, who I think is a very good player and can do, uh, many of the things that, uh, that he can do. I, I think he can do a lot of things. Uh, they got, uh, Facundo Campasso, the, the talented point guard from Europe who has been the best player in Europe since Luka Doncic left. Uh, a gifted pass-first point guard. He, he's fabulous. And um,
0: after that, they've got uh, – gosh, who else do they have? Paul Millsap. They, uh, uh, Mil- yeah, they re-signed Millsap. Uh, one year, $10
2: million. That was pretty good. And they got a big, a young big named Isaiah Hartstein, who I think is going to be a pretty good player for him. So uh, those are the guys right now. Uh, we'll see how they pan out, but uh, you know they've got the young guys, as you mentioned. You got Porter, you got Bull Bull, uh, you got some of these guys that are that are really good. So uh, we'll see how it
0: works out. So you spent, you said you were busy working and all of that, just uh, learning how to pronounce Campazo's name, right? Well, it's a big, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a big joke here in Denver. Uh, Faku Campazo... Uh, that is his name, and uh, you have to be careful because uh, his, his first name, the short is Facundo, but the short of it is Faku, and uh, that can get away from you, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, when I first heard the name, I thought he was a member of the Corleone family. There you go. <laughs> I, I think that uh, I, I tweeted out yesterday, I think I'm going to stick with Campaso <laughs> through the uh, first couple of games and uh, then see how that works out. Uh, talking with Chris Marlowe, the TV voice of the Denver Nuggets uh, coming off a terrific year and I looked at some preseason prognostications Um, Vegas has Denver as the third choice in the West behind the Lakers and the Clippers are you okay with that? yeah yeah I I don't put too much credence in the uh, in in that
2: right away Uh, but I think the Nuggets you know they can be better there's so many good teams in the West now I was just talking to my buddy the other day, and he said, Well, what about Dallas? How about, isn't Dallas better than you guys? And I said, I don't know. I don't know if they are or they are. But, uh, they are awfully good, and uh, it remains to be seen whether the Nuggets uh, can keep up with them. Uh, so uh, I think it's all good for the Nuggets. I, I don't think the prognostication... Really matters that much if they're third or if they're fourth. The uh, key
0: is getting that top four seed, though. I will tell you that. Get the top four seed and see how it pans out. You know what? I think, Chris, I, I, I'm looking at, at the West, and, and I firmly believe the Lakers are better now than when they won the title. Uh, and you saw them every night, you know, during the Western Finals. But the addition of, of Montrez Harrell, I think, is a bonus. Uh, Marcus saw a little long in the tooth, but can still provide something. But I, the, I love the addition of Dennis Schroeder for them. Yeah,
2: they've got uh, they've got more better players, I, I think, is a way to say that yeah. than they had a season ago. Um, you know, they're deep, they're talented, they plug some spots. But as the the Clippers would have would have shown you last year, uh, it, it's not always it's not always chemistry wise great to add bunches and bunches of players. Sometimes you have too many players, and so I think that's maybe the. Uh, this time around for the Lakers is adding all those extra guys is that going to disrupt the chemistry why they kind of rolled through the NBA last year and maybe having too much of a good thing this year uh,
0: will hurt them so uh, we'll wait and see I'm curious to see how it all pans out all right the Clippers lose Harold but they pick up Sergi Baka. is that an upgrade for them
2: Uh, Bach is kind of a different player. He gives them more offense, obviously, uh, better defense. Uh, I like Serge Ibaka. I think he's he's a very good player. But uh, Montrez Harrell, you know, he's a dog. He, he gets after it. Uh, he goes hard. Uh, and I guess he wanted to get out of town, it seems like it to me. So uh, we'll see how it kind of plays out. But uh, I'm interested to see uh, how the Clippers – we're going to see them – Uh, fairly
0: early in the season how how that pans out for them Uh, I think you open up with Sacramento is that right on the road yes exactly Uh, you know they're an interesting team You know on a lot of fronts but here's a team that I'm looking at and they had an outstanding uh, performance in the bubble even though they didn't make the playoffs and that's Phoenix Uh, and obviously the addition of Chris Paul gives them a backcourt of Chris Paul and Devin Booker that might be as good a backcourt as there is in the league
2: Phoenix last year. Uh, I think we ended up beating two out of four, or three out of four. It, it was a it was a really really good series, uh, but it, it, it's hard to kind of get a read on them. I, I think they they certainly seem like they've upgraded their talent. Uh, they've got a lot of good players now, and having Chris Paul to run the show certainly will help. But uh, you know, can Chris Paul? He's had a couple of good seasons. Can he stay healthy the entire year? That that's what I would be worried about uh, if if I were uh, you know if I were prognosticating. You know how
0: how well they will play together. You know what can they do? So we'll see. Hey, Chris, the the league uh, is really coming down hard on these. Um, uh, on players' missing games, particularly on the road, and uh, now they're talking about some kind of a penalty for that. What are you hearing? Well, the missing games is
2: an issue. I think they've got kind of a, uh, a, a statute now, if you like. Not, maybe not statute, but just a, a better way to do it. Uh, you, you're not supposed to sit out national TV games. Uh, if you do sit out, you're supposed to sit out on the road. So I'm kind of curious to see, you know, how that how that plays out for the Nuggets uh, because it's 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 going to be a challenge. I mean, if you're hurt, you know, you're hurt, you can't play. But uh, I think they're going
0: to have trouble with the enforcement part, Howard. Yeah. Uh, of of how to do that, and we'll we'll see. Well, there was a lot of discussion about load management last year, and. And then then somebody brought up to me the other day, and I went, what? He said to me, well, you know, when, when the father wants to take his son to a basketball game, and then they say he lives in Sacramento, and LeBron's coming to town, and LeBron misses the game, so therefore he spent his money, and he doesn't get the chance to see LeBron. Well, I got news for the guy. There's not going to be anybody in the seats. <laughs> well, it's... <laughs>
2: get around that uh, I, I think when you go on the road you kind of have an obligation to play particularly in the cities where you only go there once I think if, you, if you're if you going to sit out if you're going to be rested I think uh, you want to be rested uh, on the road
3: uh, or at home that's what I should say uh, rest at home
0: yeah. play on the road and uh, and, and see how that works out for you. One of the big stories floating around right now in the NBA is the destination of James Harden. Um, Let's just play a little game. Let's just say the Nuggets were interested in James Harden, and you wouldn't have to give up Jamal Murray. You wouldn't have to give up Nikolai Jokic, but you'd have to give up Michael Porter and maybe another piece. Here's my problem with Harden when they talked about him going to the Nets. You've already got two ball-dominant players in Durant and Irving now you're adding a third ball dominant player doesn't that open up a lot of chances for real locker room issues yeah i think so i, I would like to see that i would like to see Hart go to the nets and get
2: him out of the western conference <laughs> i just think there are too many guys howard there are too many guys that uh, would have issues uh it, it just goes from one thing to another you got Basically, you got three head cases on the same team. <laughs> if, you, if you put them all,
3: if you put them all there, so um, you know, I'm hoping that uh, that the Nuggets don't
2: go after James Harden. I don't want to see him on this team. I just think it's a it's it's a break there. It's it's not going to be it's not going to be the type of team that you want to have. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you know how does he work with Nikola. I just don't see that working out that great. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I always thought if, if the Nuggets were going to make a deal, it had to be with someone that was going to put them over the top. It had to be just, a, 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 you know, a shoot the moon type of
0: thing. Uh, but I don't think Hart is that guy. No, I would agree. Um, and, and then, of course, Westbrook was dealt for John Wall. And at first I looked at the trade and said, wait a minute, John Wall hasn't played in two years. Exactly what is Houston getting? They don't really know. And in Westbrook's case, yeah, he's going to team up with Bradley Beal, which is a good thing because I think Bradley Beal is one of the best-kept secrets in the NBA.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Washington definitely got the best of that trade because, you know, one thing about Westbrook, he's going to play hard. He's going to play hard all the time. Uh, How it goes down after that, uh, I'm not really sure. It seems like Houston is kind of unloading their entire team, uh, so I'm not sure if, if if that works for them. But uh, you yeah, know, we'll have to kind of wait and see on this. Uh, definitely good for Washington with Beal and, and Westbrook. They're going to be they're going to be a tough out, uh, particularly uh, when they're at home.
0: And uh, I'm not really sure what Houston's doing. To to be honest with you, Chris, um, I'm looking at the East. and 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 obviously the balance of powers in the West, and it's been that way. But the East, let's face it, Brooklyn now has gone from the bottom of the playoff group to where now you certainly put them in the top four in the East, right? Yeah, I think they would uh,
2: yeah, they'd fare pretty well. Uh, With Durant and Irving, I, I just don't see why they have to go out and acquire a third guy. I say run it with these two and see what you have. And then if it's not enough, then you can go out and get another guy, right? But uh, right now they seem intent on getting you know, getting that third guy. And um, we'll just kind of have to wait and see whether that pans out. Um, the East is definitely stronger. Uh, they're not as good as the West for sure. But, uh, you know, there's really, you know, you, you could say maybe the Knicks Forgive me, but I, I don't think they are. So, uh, hard to go on the road, even in the East now,
0: and, and, and kind of uh, get your act together. See, I, don't, I, I look at Washington saying, are they better? Yeah, probably. Uh, but I still don't think they're a playoff team. A- and the reason I say that is you already got Milwaukee, Miami, Boston, Brooklyn, Toronto, probably Indiana. Um, I'll tell you a team that's going to be very interesting to look at, and that's the Atlanta Hawks. The addition of Rajon Rondo, Bogdanovich, Gallinari, Chris dunn who you familiar with uh, Capella, John Collins, and of course Trey Young? This is a team that's going to be fun to watch this year. I think they're—they're they're a six, seven, 8 playoff team in the East. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think
2: Atlanta loaded up. Uh, they certainly—if you look at the pieces on that team—you uh, you go, "Wow, wow! Look at look at all the guys we got." So, uh, as things move along, it'll be interesting to see what kind of start they get. Obviously, with Trey Young there, he's going to be the the focal point. But they've added veterans. They've added uh, some classy guys. And I'm really curious to see, uh, you know, how that team blends together. The Nuggets had trouble with them last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lost, lost, I think, lost at home to Atlanta and beat them by two down there. Uh, for some reason, we couldn't contain uh, Trey Young, but uh, uh, it, it remains to be seen kind of how, how it all shakes
0: out. Hey, Chris, let me ask you about this. Um, when, when you look at, at the East and the West, and there's been nine new coaches in the league, and one of them is Steve Nash with Brooklyn, uh, and there was always the acknowledgment that, well, he has never been a head coach. But that's true except he has been a floor leader. He's won two MVPs. Uh, he's been around some pretty good talent. He's, he, he was a terrific point guard, Hall of Famer. Um, while he doesn't have coaching experience, he's got Mike D'Antoni sitting next to him on the Brooklyn bench, and that's got to be a positive. Yeah, I think
2: so. I, I think it's going to be an interesting challenge uh, for Steve Nash. Now, remember, this is not unprecedented. Uh, Pat Riley, he came out of the broadcast booth uh, back in the Magic Johnson era and made a smooth transition. Got right in there and and, uh, and uh, so I think it can be done. It, it depends if he's got the year of Durant and Irving. You know, if those two go south on him, then then I think you've got some you've got some real issues. Uh, but I like Nash, he's really smart, I actually know him personally, I've got a chance to meet him, he's actually a, a fairly good volleyball player that I saw down in San Diego really? a couple of times, yeah, yeah, and uh, a great guy, fun guy, and uh, so we'll see, I, I, I think he can do it, um, the question is, are those personalities going uh, is it too
0: much? Is it is it going to suffocate him? We'll have to kind of wait and see on that. Yeah, you're right. And it did, look, the, talking about the Harden thing again, uh, You know, aside from being three players at a ball dominant, what would you have to give up? I mean, Spencer Didwin, he's an all-star player, and and Karis LeVert is a really good player. Joe Harris is an excellent three-point shooter, and they just re-upped him. So I think as they're currently set, I don't see them any... I could see them not only top four in the East... I could see them challenging Milwaukee to get to the Eastern Finals. Yeah, I would agree with that.
2: I, I think they're, the way they're constituted right now, they're, they're perfectly fine to make you know, a, a big-time run. Uh, I, I'm just not quite clear on why they continue. Well, maybe they're not continuing. Maybe it's hard uh, to continue on that path. Uh, we'll see about that. I think that uh, they're really good. They will be really good, and uh, we'll have to see how it, how it, uh, you know, how those those guys that they've been trying to trade all
0: season, how they blend in with the two superstars. Well, you look at Kyrie Irving. You you know his resume. When he was in Cleveland, there was a problem. When he was in the Boston with the Boston Celtics, that locker room was blown up, and and he was the guy that everybody pointed to. So, yeah. I, I that that's why I think that the Harden thing doesn't mesh. Because Irving is the first guy to pitch a bitch. There's no question about it. I mean, he doesn't even come to practice, won't talk to the media. So he's a load. He's a handful. Yeah, I would agree. Uh,
2: He's someone I wouldn't want on my team. Unless you've got LeBron. Unless you've got LeBron, who can kind of force him to stay in line. Otherwise, uh, I I think you're kind of sunk there. Uh, He's a really good player. As talented a player as there is in the league, but... But the
0: the baggage he brings and the complaining he brings is mm. just nonstop. Um, Portland has helped themselves. Robert Covington is now with them. Derek Jones, uh, Enos Cantor. Uh, so I think they're a little bit better. You mentioned Dallas before. They've added Josh Richardson, who's a good two-way player. Yeah, I like
2: uh, I like what Portland did. Uh, I think they can be sneaky good. Uh you know, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum kind of run it, but you know they needed more pieces, and I think they got them. I think they got those pieces. I, I think they did really, really well. So um, Portland's good. Yeah, Dallas is good. Everybody's good. Everybody's good. You got to hope Sacramento is not. It's not very good because they seem and they, and they have great talent also. So uh, you know how that how that plays out is
0: going to be. Really fascinating. We haven't mentioned Utah yet. Have they? I, I don't recall seeing anything major that they did during the offseason. Well, Utah is Utah. They just uh, kind of
3: keep plugging at you, and uh, and uh, I think they're
2: a good team. Obviously, uh, the Nuggets were down to them uh, three games to one, so it was it was really a crapshoot there. But uh, yeah, I think they're good. Uh, they're going to be they're going to be solid this year. And uh, it's, always, it's always kind of a challenge when the Nuggets get together with them. So
0: we'll see how that, how that figures out. The first half of the season schedule is done. We know what that's all about. And at some point during the first half of the schedule, they'll release the second half of the schedule. And then it all culminates uh, by the plan. And there's going to be a play-in uh, tournament at the end of the year. Are you okay with that? You like it? Yeah, I actually enjoyed the play-in tournament.
2: Uh, I think it gives other teams hope. Uh, yeah, I like I, I like to play it a lot. Um, it, it just, if you're on the outside looking in, you, you have
0: a chance to make it. And so I, I think that's good, yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm fascinated with, with, uh, with teams at this stage of the season. And we're going to play 72 games, but it's going to be a little condensed. Uh, and then that brings in the load management f- uh, factor and how that plays in as well. But uh, I, I don't know if it's, if it's better to be a team that didn't make the playoffs because you've had all this time or a team like the Nuggets and the Lakers and the Clippers and the teams that, reached the, that, that got to the point. Miami, uh, it's only been a couple of months since they've played. Yeah, I think it's going to be more of a challenge. You know, you mentioned the
2: Lakers, you know, look like a clean sweep. But, you know, that, that four-month break for LeBron was, was, was something else. I mean, they really got, you know, they really got it going. I, I just think that the wear and tear of a condensed schedule, actually that's an advantage I think for the Nuggets because they have one of the deepest teams in the league. So that being said, I, I, I think that, how it plays is going to be very, very interesting. I mean, can LeBron go the distance without getting injured this year? Because as good as Anthony Davis is, he's still not LeBron James. And when you take LeBron off the floor, uh, Anthony Davis is a really, really fine player, but he's not—he's not the end all. So uh, we'll see. Things are coming along. I'm—I'm I'm interested
0: getting back to work so quickly. It, I think he's good for the Nuggets. I well, think that's, that's good for them. Well, you know what I think is a, is a positive? Jamal Murray is an example. Here's a guy that reached stardom during the most recently concluded playoffs. I think the experience that he had, the experience that Jokic had, it only serves the Nuggets well because now you've got two guys that have been deep into the playoffs, and that translates into you know more experience, obviously, and more production. Yeah, they played 19 playoff games down there. That's
2: that's that's a lot of experience there, and I think it, it's it was really good for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, they seem to be a team that that is on the rise, and the more playoff experience that they get, uh, that is really a good thing. So, as we move along,
0: we'll see uh, how that all shakes out. Chris, I always appreciate your time. I love our chats and. Um... Enjoy the season. It, uh, it'll it be interesting, particularly for a team that's in contention as the Nuggets are. And you, of course, stay safe. Well, let's hope they,
2: they are in contention for sure.
0: Thanks, Howard. Great to be on. He is Chris Marlowe, the TV voice of the Denver Nuggets. Well, I think they're a legit team. I don't think there's any question about it. They are a legit team. They are a team to be reckoned with. And that Jamal Murray, man, he's, and, and Jokic. Jokic might be the best passing big man in the NBA. And Murray is a star. I mean, he is a star. he's a superstar. I think he took that next step, that next leap. Shifting gears into the NFL, and something came up. There's a reporter for the Daily News, Manish Mehta, who is the beat writer for the Daily News, covering the New York Jets, who we all know are pretty bad. Maida has been extremely hard on the Jets. And I have no problem with it, because it's not like he's lying in his articles. I read them. Has he gone over the top? In some circles, maybe. But he's being critical of a bad organization. Well, the Daily News took him off the beat and the story is is that supposedly he was stalking the general manager joe douglas's son and i don't know for what reason what he was trying to get what what that's the accusation i don't know if it's fact or fiction but that's the word that i got some could look at this as censorship yeah. Was he hard on the Jets? Yeah, he was. Did they deserve it? Yeah, they did. And probably there's a different way of saying it, you know? But I'm going to talk uh, to the professor, John Clayton, and I am want to get his take on it and find out exactly what his thoughts are We'll get the we'll get the poop from the professor. Hello, hello, oh, John, Howard, David, how are you today? Okay, Howard, how are you? Excellent. I I don't want I want to begin with something that just has transpired within the last. Well, actually, it was late yesterday. Uh, Manish Maida, who you are familiar with, a beat reporter yeah, for yeah, the yeah. yeah beat reporter for the Jets of the Daily News in New York, uh, he has been relieved from that assignment, and the way yeah, I end, fired. I'm sorry. He's, he's fired. He's got fired, yeah. Um, the word that I got is that he was stalking Joe Douglas, the general manager's son. Do you know anything more than that? Because that sounds a little odd.
2: Well, I mean, uh, are, we,
0: are we on right now? Yes. Okay, so, yeah, what happens uh, is that he's got
1: this long history of doing kind of different things. And uh, there was an incident, according, and again, Washington Post uh, just did a, a big story on him today. Uh, that came out and gave a lot of details of where what was going on, and apparently uh, there was an incident, I guess, at a baseball game where he got into it with the son of Joe Douglas and all that stuff. But uh, Manisha says this long history of trying to you know take advantage of his hundred thousand uh, page views because he writes a lot of controversial things uh, whether it's against the jets or just against individuals but uh, the most recent thing turned out to be that uh, you know they banned him from any press credentials mm. and so one of his co-workers a 26 year old co-worker who just left to go to the usa today uh you know had to basically do his bidding you know like for example on zoom calls he had to hold the phone up Manish was able to get the uh, the Zoom calls and get that in there. Then the Jets found out about that, and they stopped that. He had to you know, ask questions that Manish wanted. He wanted you know, all these different things. There's different shouting matches, intimidating type of things. So there's this long history to try to get his information to really kind of be a bully. And so because of that, and uh, even though he's very popular, they decided that there was time to break this thing up. And so now the beat reporter is at USA Today, and Manish is no longer employed it,
0: uh, at, the, at the news. Um, he's been very critical. I read his articles, and he's been, oh, he's been very critical. Uh, a lot of it is deserved. Let's face it, the Jets right now the worst team in the league. And, the, and the, the, it starts at the top. Management has not done a good job either with coaches or general managers. But that aside, um, when I first heard the story, I said, is this censorship uh, am I going too far?
1: far because I think what it comes down to is how you get the information and I know as a former president of the Pro Football Writers Association there's a, a professional ethic that you should have in being able to do your work and one you should be as as accurate as you can you should be as trustworthy as you can you should be able to get the information as accurately as you can and put it out there but you know, sometimes if you start to go outside of things and start to make threats like he would go to uh, different people and say I'll give you favorable treatment, if you uh, give me the information, Mm. and then if you don't give me the information, then I'm going to be very critical of you. And so you go through all that, and that's just a very bad way to do business in this because again you're in journalism and you're in the professional ability to try to make sure that uh, you know you get things right but also you do it in a way that doesn't intimidate or anything else and he's had this long history of being able to do that and because the paper supported him because of his you know the
0: interest in reading his columns and stories and all that stuff they allowed it to happen and they probably allowed it to happen way too long yeah well all right let's shift gears and get to the playing field and Important win last night for the Rams as they take apart the New England Patriots who are unlikely to go to the playoffs. But for the Rams, they take control of the very difficult NFC West with an impressive one sided victory, 24 to 3. And it was on both sides of the ball, and they sacked New England's quarterback six times. More, even more so, uh, uh, Cam Newton was removed.
1: Yeah, and of course right now uh, between because it started in the first half of the season that the Seahawks were the better team and right now the Rams are the better team and Seattle <clears throat> is trying to struggle they're getting better on defense but they're getting worse on offense but you know they they play the Jets and of course next week the Rams play the Jets so it's going to be hard to say before the Rams play the Seahawks in week 16 where both teams really are but I think you can see that you know Sean McVay mastered something last night that he hadn't mastered against New England type defenses that of course has taken that six-man front that uh, was used against him and being able to you know get the short passes get the running game going I was so impressive with Cam Akers who's a good running back I mean, 171 yards and really getting it to the point where at one point
2: Bill Belichick assembled the defense on the sidelines
1: and then uh, threw down his white uh, uh, board uh, board that he has for plays, threw that (laughs) down on the ground because he was so upset, particularly when they got down to the goal line. So I think what you can see that the Rams are in a very good place right now. It was still been up and down with Jared Goff at quarterback, but what they've done now is they've gone to more of a two tight end offense. They're trying to show shorter passes and trying to make it a little bit easier for Jared Goff, but that was an impressive win and one they were able to conquer because if you go back to the Super Bowl, uh, Bill Belichick stuffed him. Brian Flores was on that staff as a defensive coordinator, and in the Miami game, he stuffed uh, Jared Goff. Now you can see Goff was able to take an advancement and get that 24-3 to
0: victory. A lot of interesting games uh, this week as we're talking with John Clayton. Uh, Baltimore-Cleveland on Monday night, and Baltimore reestablished themselves in the most recent game. But the uh, the one thing that troubles me about Baltimore, Lamar Jackson is a very gifted athlete, no question, and he, he has this run first, pass second mentality. Can they go deep into the playoffs if their passing game does not go does not go vertical? I think that that's going to be a problem
1: because you even saw the problem last year, you know, because here they win 14 games. Lamar Jackson is the MVP, and then they go against the Tennessee Titans and they lose. And so the one thing that it depends on the way the game goes because. What you can see is that uh, comebacks right now with that offense just doesn't seem to be there. I mean, this year there's been 37 double-digit comebacks, uh, which is you know on a par up to like, 1987, one of the most ever. But if they fall behind by 10 points, it's very difficult because mm. you're right with the passing game. And the one thing that Lamar, after having one of the great first to second year advancements in his skills, particularly with going and being able to throw from the pocket and be very accurate from the pocket, is that the accuracy from the pocket going downfield has not been there. And at some point that needs to improve, whether it's getting even more wide receivers, getting better protection because they've had injuries on the offensive line. But, no, I think that could be a problem. But, you know, this is a big game coming up uh, this week because you know, if they can win this one, the final three games are going against uh, bad teams, losing teams. So if they can beat Cleveland, they can end up going ahead and maybe getting
0: to 11 wins. Cleveland comes off a win that they escaped. I mean, they built a 35-7 to lead on Tennessee and had a hold on at the end. Uh, that's only their second win against teams with a winning record. Uh, which is a little bit of a a white flag. But uh, Baker Mayfield played particularly well last week. The team played particularly well. Uh, You know, it's been a long time since they made the playoffs, but they're headed that way yeah they are and they should make the playoffs now the question is going to be what can they
1: do in the playoffs because as you note they're nine and three and seven and oh against uh, teams with losing records and so two of the wins have come against winning teams one of them of course last week but in the playoffs you're playing winning teams and most of those teams are going to have 10 11 or more wins and so uh this will be a good test to see you know where they are because you know they get blown out in the
0: opener 38 to 6 that wasn't good mm. and they've advanced uh pretty well Done, Kevin Stefanski has done a great job with yes. his team and done a great job with the offense, particularly being
1: able to run the football, and running the football as one of the best teams in the league has made it a little bit easier for Baker Mayfield
0: and allowed him to have that breakout game last week. Well, i got my choice. Flip a coin between Stefanski and Brian Flores in Miami for Coach of the Year. Yeah, um, but I got, Mike, I got Mike Tomlin, though. I know oh, yeah? Okay. He's okay. played as well in the last couple of weeks, but you know, 11 wins from 8-8 uh, eight and eight last year is pretty good. They play at Buffalo this week. And the interesting thing, John, to me, everybody talks about Kansas City. Everybody talks about Pittsburgh. Everybody talks about Tennessee or Indianapolis. Not a lot of credit is being given to the Buffalo Bills. They're going to be a tough out. Oh, Agreed. Because I mean, Josh Allen arguably
1: is in the mix for MVP. I mean, he's not going to get it, but he's got to be in the mix for the top six. And you know, he's they've improved by 8.2 points a game. Because remember, in his first uh, several years, you know, Josh Allen is out there, uh, you know, with less than 20 points a game on offense. And now, you know, what you give, and of course, that's why Brandon Bean just got the big contract extension because he, in the course of a year, has gone out and fixed the wide receiving core because last year he picked up John Brown. Got some speed out there, slot guy, and Cole Beasley. But the big one was getting Stephon Gilmore, because uh, I mean,
0: that's like Stephon Gilmore, but getting Stephon Diggs, right. because Diggs is so good at getting downfield and opening things up for a quarterback who does
1: have one of the strongest arms in the league. I mean, Diggs, you know, certainly is uh, right up there with uh, DeAndre Hopkins as one of the best
0: acquisitions of any position in this off season. Now, I completely agree. He's over a thousand yards already. Uh, and you mentioned Beasley, who's having a good year, just under 800. And then Gabriel uh, Davis has, has averaged almost 17 yards per reception. So you know he's about, but I think that the thing about Buffalo, their defense, man, John Jordan Poyer's already got a hundred tackles, and he's a safety.
1: Oh, yeah, no question. The only weakness they've shown, which I think is a little bit of a surprise because of the investments they put on the defensive line, is where they are stopping the run. They've been pretty average to below average stopping the run, and that's been one issue. And, of course, now it's interesting about the Pittsburgh Steelers coming in because they're like the fourth-worst rushing team in football right now as far as yards. And so we'll see how that matches up. And running the football is so important, stopping the run is so important. But, no, this is this is a Bills team, and what, what a monumental – Uh, weekend this could be because if they can win this game you know they pretty well have uh, you know knocked out the New England Patriots they still have to worry a little bit about the Miami Dolphins because they've got eight wins but overall this this uh, Bills team certainly has been one of the most improved in football
0: and has done such a great job yeah let's go back to Pittsburgh for a second Um, you know they've lost some key defensive players Dupree is is one that comes to mind Uh, I believe he's out for the year uh, you know, and they still have Watt and, you know, their rush is, is okay, but you've just cut away a guy that was a pass rushing threat. Uh, they get James Conner back for this week. So that's a positive. Uh, I don't know. Uh, look, I'm a big Mike Tomlin guy. I think the guy's a great coach and I, and I like the way they play. Uh, when I talked to Bill Parcells last week, he said that in his mind, Pittsburgh was the most complete team in the AFC. Now I'm not so sure. Yeah, but I think they'll be okay because I think, you know, what we're seeing now in a lot of cities, particularly
1: of winning teams, is, you know, I think it's a fatigue factor that comes in, particularly with no off-season program and also no – training camp and all that stuff. I mean, you can see it in fourth quarter of games with uh, defenses wearing down. You can also see it in, I think, uh,
0: you know, because Pittsburgh has, has suffered more on the re- readjustment of the schedule than any, any other yeah. team in football. You know, having, what, four games now, or three games in ten
1: days and all those different things, and they've had to move the schedule because of Tennessee and Baltimore and all those different things. I think they're fine. Again, I get a little bit worried about the linebacking core because Because, you know, Devin Bush is a Pro Bowl caliber inside linebacker. But Dupree, at least with Watt, was now the best outside uh, pass rushing duo in football. Now Dupree's out with an ACL. And now you add Vince Williams is going to probably miss this game. He's an inside linebacker because he had a positive COVID test. And so uh, that's going to weaken them a little bit and make it a little bit tougher. But I still think
0: this is a resilient team. It's an 11-win team. And I think it's a very good team. We talked about Baltimore-Cleveland, Pittsburgh-Buffalo. Kansas City's in Miami, Uh, and this is a a classic battle, an explosive offense, a very good defense. Um, Look, I don't know how many times, and you've been around this game a long time, John. How many times do you sit there and watch Patrick Mahomes? Do you go, wow? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's one of the best
1: I've ever seen. I mean, because what you like about him is that, you know, you talk about quarterbacks in their third or fourth year and how the game slows down. Well, I mean, he makes the game slow down mm. because he's so calm and collected. You know, whether it's going to be you know, making a baseball type of throw with a you know, little angle on it or a little quick pass or whatever it can be, gets the long passes downfield. He is absolutely amazing, and his game management is sensational. You know, sometimes it takes him a little bit of a slow start, but once he gets started, then it goes well. They're in a little bit of a thing right now where they're not doing as well in the red zone, getting touchdowns. But still, you look at him, and that's why even when Pittsburgh was 11-0 and and you had Kansas City 10-1, and I was still saying Kansas City was the better team because, say what you want, Ben Roethlisberger is going to be a first-ballot Hall of Famer. But uh,
0: right now, Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback, and I think right now the best quarterback in football. Well, you know, you look at what the guy in Green Bay is doing right now. Aaron Rodgers, he's having as good a year as Mahomes, and virtually nobody... Uh, you know, talks about what a great job Aaron Rodgers is doing. Uh, but getting back to the Kansas City-Miami game, Miami's been to the playoffs once in the last 11 years. They are hungry. Oh, they're hungry. But now the question isn't the same thing we talked
1: about with Cleveland. You know, how good are they against teams with winning records and of course now you're taking on an 11 win team in Kansas City and you look and you see that the Dolphins right now they've only won one game against a team with a winning record and that was the Rams you know they had one with Arizona but they're no longer a winning team they're six and six and so when you put all that together you know can they be able to do it and uh, you know you still look at the roster and you say okay a uh, very young offensive line that's got to be a concern you know they still don't have a lot of big playmakers you know they don't have a big running game and everything else. I think the advantage right now for the Chiefs, but hey, this is a test. I mean, we saw last week that the Cleveland Browns won the test against Tennessee. This is a big test against Kansas City. And, you know, I made the prediction for the Washington Post that both Cleveland and Miami are going to make the playoffs, but not win a playoff game, because you have to beat
0: winning teams to be in the playoffs. Yeah, he's a professor, John Clayton. Uh, it's a good thing I'm not a gambler. I don't bet on sports, and there's a very good reason, because if I did, I would have bet my house that the Seahawks were going to beat the Giants as a 10-point favorite. Well, you know what happened. And so I'd be living in a Vornado box under the highway now if I bet on that game. Uh, The the fact of the matter is, John, that was a shocker, as big a shocker as we've seen this year. All agreed. I mean, it's stunning.
1: I think Shaquille Griffin, the cornerback, Pro Bowl last year said that they just took that uh, giant team for granted. Now, what you can see right now is that Russell Wilson's going through a little stretch where he's making a few more turnovers than he should. He's holding onto the ball a little bit too long. You know, they haven't. They've kind of got out of sync and probably went too much pass because they're going through this let Russ cook type of thing and having him pass the ball more. But they've got to get better balance on the running game. Now, this week, of course, probably doesn't matter. They're playing the Jets, and there's and the Jets already ruled out five players for this game, including two guards a safety and they're, I think two or three wide receivers, so they're going to be in a real tough spot. But uh, I still think that, uh, you know, don't write off this team yet. It's still. Uh, it's going to have a tougher assignment next week, going against Washington with that defensive line. Mm. But if they win these two games, they, they go into the game likely tied with the Rams. And in Week 16, best team wins Rams or Seahawks,
0: and we'll see who wins the division and who gets the number three seed, most likely. No, you're saying the Jets have five players out. If they played this game eleven against seven, it still wouldn't be enough.
1: All agreed. I mean, that's, that's just a bad football team, and. Uh, you know, they have not done well as far as their off-season acquisitions. They picked up four new offensive linemen, and the offensive linemen uh, aren't working out. You can see that uh, they've left themselves even weaker at the wide receiver position. And then you know, you look at the secondary, and that's where Russ, Russell Wilson should have a big advantage because you know in the game last week that cost uh, Greg Williams his job. They were down to only two healthy safeties. And at one point of the game, had four rookies out there in the mm. secondary. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they left a the rookie out there to cover uh, Henry Ruggs on what turned out to be a zero blitz that resulted in zero
0: victory and zero job for Greg Williams. Um, I give a lot of credit to Pat Graham, the defensive coordinator of the Giants. I've never seen a game, and I watched the game from beginning to end. I was so impressed. with They had Russell Wilson completely all over the field. I mean, they chased him all over the place. And usually, it, Wilson makes makes positive yards out of those kind of situations. But you got to credit the Giant defense. They did a great job. Oh, yeah. I mean, Leonard Williams had a fantastic, game the defensive line played well I
1: think they did uh, really good stuff in the secondary I think you can see that James Bradbury was one of the better offseason acquisitions at cornerback because he matched up DK Metcalf and held him to five catches so that worked out real well but no I think you know Pat Graham's now his name I don't know if he's going to get any interviews or not but his name's on the radar as far as maybe a head coaching candidate in the future but you can see Joe Judges now turn that team around with the four game winning streak they were able to win with a backup quarterback in Colt McCoy and they should have Daniel Jones back this week, so yeah, things right now, it's going to be a pretty good race down the stretch in that bad NFC East to see if it's going to be the Giants or Washington because the Giants have a tougher schedule than Washington.
0: Washington only has Seattle as the only team with a winning record they have to face the rest of the season. Well, Washington goes to San Francisco this week, and you would think that they'd be in good shape there, but I wouldn't look past this game. Oh, no.
1: Because, again, Robert Sal has done such a great job with uh, his defense, even though it's been undermanned and has had COVID's problems, has injury problems, but he's done a great job with that. Uh, You know, it's still a little bit of a struggle on offense right now, but Kyle Shanahan still is one of the best play callers in football. So that can be a dangerous game. What's going to be interesting to see is both teams have similar philosophies, you know, draft first-round defensive linemen. And so because of that, uh, you know, you've got – what, five guys right now on the Redskins who are drafted in the first round of the defensive line that they can use. Uh, San Francisco did similar, but of course, a lot of those guys are on the injured reserve list, like Nick Boza and Solomon Thomas. You know, they have you know D Ford, of course, they picked up in a trade, and he's out for the season. So overall, uh, it's, it should be an interesting game at least Washington started to show. And I think it's great because, you know, the, the two great comebacks, you know, you've got uh, Alex Smith coming back from 17 surgeries on mm. the leg. Mm. And then you
0: have Ron Rivera coming back from uh, cancer. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, I might want to throw another coach into the mix for coach of the year, Sean Payton. Uh, only from this standpoint, you lose Drew Brees. Uh, and they had won six in a row, I think, with Drew Brees. Now Taysom Hill comes in. They've won three in a row with him as a quarterback. And he's done a phenomenal job. Uh, I, I was impressed. And that, right now, they're the number one seed in the NFC. Oh, yeah, no question. I think that uh, you can
1: see you know, that's now eight games in the last two years they've won without Drew Brees because Teddy Bridgewater came back last year and won five. Jason Hill, now again, he had an easy schedule in those three games, won three. Things, things are going to get a little bit tougher. But overall, uh, he's done a great job. I think the biggest thing, and this could get Dennis Allen a head coaching job. The defense has started out so slow is now ranked number one in the league Hmm. and that now it makes it so formidable. So once they get Drew Brees back, they're in danger. I thought going into the season, they were the number one seed in the NFC right now. Now you can still make the argument a little bit on Green Bay, but I still think new Orleans with that defense and the offense and
0: Sean Payton would be number one in the NFC. It help me out here, John with the AFC South Indianapolis and Tennessee uh, I don't know who has a tiebreaker, do you? Uh, I think right now it's uh, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, do you because think? They, they, they split their, their series, and I think, I don't know if it's conference record or whatever it is. I, uh, I like this Tennessee team. I like the way they play. I like They're very well coached. Tannehill's reinvented himself. Uh, but this Colts team, look, Phillip Rivers has had some really good games. But at some point, they're going to have to look past Philip Rivers, right? I mean, they're going to have to go for a young quarterback. He, 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 hear me out. The Jets draft Trevor Lawrence with the number one pick in the draft. No surprise. But Parcells, as I mentioned, I'd spoken to him last week. He likes Sam Darnold. And I'm wondering, he just thinks that Darnold needs a change of scenery. How about Sam Darnold in Indianapolis? Oh, Conversations about that right now,
1: maybe not between the teams itself, but that seems to be a big topic. Now, one thing that they did do now, Phillips still might come back next year, and Frank Wright's going to like that because they worked so far together in San Diego, but they did take Jacob, Jacob Eason from the University of Washington in the third round, who has a little bit of a similar throwing style. And so, uh, you know, they, and he was not ready to play in the NFL this year. And so he's got kind of on scholarship right now. But I think that, uh, you know, Darnold is it going to be a consideration. It's kind of irony in the sense that they profited from trading down to give Darnold to the uh, Jets. And now they can maybe profit by trying to get him at a real cheap price. They have the cap room to be able to do it. So I, I think what it comes down to is where do they stand with Phillip Rivers? And also, uh, can you get at a discount at price and maybe getting even some money thrown at him by the Jets to move that contract
0: to get Sam Darnold. Yeah, and, uh, and it's obvious that Adam Gase is going to be gone at some point. My only question is, why haven't they done it to now? Uh, and people say, well, you know, you know where they're going, and what, Greg Williams, before he got fired, uh, didn't seem to be the answer. Uh, look, they passed on Eric enemy once when they hired Gase, and he's going to be out there, and he's going to get whatever job he wants, he's that coveted. Oh yeah, and I think he is. A, he'll be a
1: candidate with the New York Jets, and a lot of people think that uh, that might happen. Uh, you know, because you, know, you still wonder: Is Jim Harbaugh going to be in the mix? Because it doesn't look good for him in uh, the Michigan, and uh, but the enemy going to get something. Now the question is going to be: Does the enemy have enough clout? that he can go to a team looking for a coach general manager because I can see him pairing up with John Dorsey because they've been together in Kansas City. Mm. But no, I think the enemy is a candidate
0: for the Jets. Yeah, I, I would I would completely agree with that. It's interesting you mentioned, um, uh, I'm just thinking about you, you touched on a nerve. Um, yeah, New England, Cam Newton. Is he going to be the quarterback next year, do you think, in I New think England? Not. No, I think that, yeah, uh, you know, because <coughs> they like him.
1: But it's just not working out. I mean, how about the fact that he threw last night for 117 yards, and that's the high—the only time in the last three weeks he's thrown for over 100. That's not good. That's not good enough. And you know, the team's six and seven. I know that you know he's had more rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns. Still, he makes mistakes. All those different things. I have to think. You know, and you kind of wonder. I know that Bill Belichick has always said good things about Jared Stidham, but. He's not putting him in there except for the final, what, eight minutes of last night's game. Mm.
0: So I think that when you look at the big picture right now, they're going to be looking for a quarterback. Yeah, there's no question about it. Um, It's going to be a lot of, look, I I don't like to talk about guys that, you know, might be losing their jobs, but there's a lot of speculation. You know that. Uh, is, um, Is there going to be a job opening in Philadelphia, as an example?
1: Unfortunately, I think there is, and I think that if it does happen, Doug, Doug Peters is going to be one of the hottest candidates out there, because I can see him, for example, going to a place like the Los Angeles Chargers and working with Justin Herbert. I, mean, I can see something like that happening, because it can be with Tom Telesco, the general manager. So, yeah, if Doug does get let go, and I think right now, when you figure that they're $80-plus over the cap, if it's going to be $175 million, you can't let Howie Roseman go, because he has to work through, through those cap problems, and nobody from the outside side can come in and fix that how he can and then uh, the team is going to be a non-playoff team next year because they're going to lose so many players because of being over the cap and then you know can they move Carson Wentz I mean can that be a possibility so uh we'll see but I think overall that uh you know it's going to be a, a big thing right now for Doug try to keep his job because I know Jeff Lurie's not happy and I know it's going to be
0: tough to do something with Carson Carson Wentz or
1: Howie Roseman so that means Doug could be on the outside looking
0: in and you know there's going to be a new coach in Houston probably Detroit right yep 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 that's a two-yup <laughs> two-yups yep I mean
1: we, we already know the openings are there now the question is going to be and I, I'm just still kind of Foggy on how Houston's doing it because now you know they've hired a search firm and Jed Hughes to work the search firm to try to hire a coach and now they've got you know three or four people that are involved in a committee to hire uh, the general manager. It just seems like there's too many people uh, trying to cook this uh, thing. Too many people in the
0: kitchen. Let me ask you this, and I passed on this question. It slipped my mind. Talking about Greg Williams, uh, he's had nine jobs in thirty years. In view of what happened. The other day, uh, is he done in the NFL? I hope not, because he's a very talented
1: coach. He's a very serious coach, and he's a very, very good coach. I mean, he made a bad mistake <clears throat> at the wrong time. It was a cover zero blitz, and this is the first time since I know ESPN stats and information go back to two thousand and six, and it's the first time in a situation like that it was a seven man rush has never happened. And then, of course, you do it with all these young. Cornerbacks out there. I mean, it was just horrendous how bad that was. And so, uh, but, you know, Greg uh, still is a good enough coach to get a good defense together if you give him good talent. Didn't have good talent this year. He did pretty well with the talent that he had last year. But no, I still think he can get a head coaching. Not a head coaching job. I don't think
0: that'll ever happen again. But I think he can get a job as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I would probably agree. Uh, the Jets situation we know is terrible. Uh, But I think it starts at the top, and it'll be interesting to see if and when the president concedes the election, does Woody Johnson come back and run the Jets? I think he would, because
1: uh, I don't think that uh, Joe Biden's going to keep him
0: over there. So I think that that you you
1: can look and see that uh, he's going to be looking to do something and, of course, come back and try to fix the thing
0: right now that's broken in New York. Well, it's been broken for a long time. John, their last 11 number one picks are no longer with the team. That says something. Oh,
1: agreed. I mean, that's that's horrendous. And uh, all I know is that uh, you know the Jets are playing Seattle uh, this weekend on Sunday. And right now, there's more Pro Bowl players from the Jets that are on the Seahawks than yeah. are on the Jets because you look at uh, you know they got Jason Myers at the kicker, Jamal Adams is one of the best safeties in the league, and you know, you know it's going to end up happening this week. Uh, Adams has seven and a half sacks in eight games and uh and the record is 8 Adrian Wilson broke that record and has it and so they're thinking that the Adams might get two or three sacks this week and so the only pro bowler on the 53 man roster of the jets is
0: 37 year old Frank Gore and he's not going to play yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. uh i the way, he, you know it's interesting to me i'm uh, listening to you can go crazy listening to Adam Gase uh 2 weeks ago 3 weeks ago he said we should have played more aggressive well that's on you And then after the Greg Williams debacle, he said, I should have called timeout, but I didn't. And my question is, don't you need a mulligan when you're thinking about saying something? He says, I should have called. Why didn't you? Why didn't you call timeout? uh, This is is on him. Supposedly, he was talking to another assistant
1: coach, probably on offense, about something. And then when he heard the word zero, uh, he kind of looked up. And the play was going on after he called his cover zero. And then it's like, okay, I didn't have time to be able to do it. Well, if the game's at the end, your offense is not going to get back on the field. Who are
0: you talking to that would venture to listen to what Greg Williams called? That's just wrong. No, it's, it, 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 look, I, I, and this is in hindsight. When they hired him from Miami, I said, why? Because of the great job he did with Ryan Tannehill? I, I didn't understand the hire to begin with. But that aside, he's going to be out at the end of the year. It'll be uh, fascinating to see. And, and as for Jim Harbaugh, the way I heard it today, Michigan's offering him a contract extension at a lower salary. I can guarantee he won't take that. You really? You think that's you think that's intentional uh, to try to yes, get him to leave? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Hey, John, always great talking to you. Thanks for your time, and stay safe. Okay, thanks. Here's John Clayton, El Professori. Knows his stuff, man. No question about it. He talks. He's from Seattle. He's living in Seattle, obviously, and has been for a long time. So we're gonna we're gonna hang out in Seattle, and we're going to talk to the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Ravel. He is up next. Hello. Oh, Steve Howard, David, how are you? Good. Can't complain. just talking to um, one of your idols, John Clayton. <laughs> yes, definitely one of my idols. <laughs> How do you spell idol? I-D-L-E? Uh, no. Well, that's a good question. I'm <laughs> not sure. <laughs> uh, we were talking about, in last week's game, like, I'm sure it took you by surprise. It took everybody by surprise. But it's the reason why I don't bet on sports. Because had I bet last week and gotten, and given ten, To the Giants, I'd be sleeping in a tornado box under the highway right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
3: you know, betting uh, on games is one thing, but it's just, you know, you've been around football uh, as long as I have, and you know that that as, as trite as it sounds, if you don't show up to play every game on any given sunday somebody can step up and beat you and i was concerned about the giants game uh, prior to it anyway and i don't I, you know i don't want to sound like i was some prophet or something but you could tell that that team is is kind of on the upswing a little bit they've got a, a stout defense and they play that way against us their uh, their front four is really good and uh, the Eagles the week before that front four pretty good and we have trouble sometimes with really good defensive lines because our offensive line is kind of banged up we got some young guys on one side we got some really uh, veteran guys on the other uh, and sometimes as I watch during the game it takes Mike you and, and uh, Dwayne Brown like four or five minutes to get up off the ground after a play that's how beat up these guys are and yet they won't miss a play so it, it, it did cause us some problems last week, some big problems. And if we don't get it fixed, it's going to be
0: a long rest of the season. So I'm, I'm figuring they're going to have it fixed in time for the Jets coming in. Well, going back to last week, uh, I mean, with Colt McCoy as a quarterback, I think it was a pretty safe bet that Seattle was going to win the game. But even with their, And I give Pat Graham, their defensive coordinator, a ton of credit. I've never seen Russell Wilson completely under siege like he was last week.
3: Yeah, and, and part of it was because the protection was uh, was breaking down pretty quickly. We By the fourth quarter, we had our fourth string right tackle in there. Um, the starter never did play at all. The guy who backed him up never played. So you started with the third string. He got hurt. You potty got hurt at one point. He came out actually for a few plays. So you had your number three or number four guard and your number four tackle in the game all at the same time. Plus you have a center that's only been back a couple of weeks after being out for three or four games. So it was a lot of things that added up. And then the way the the, uh, the Giants defensed us in the back end, uh, in their secondary, they did a masterful job. They took away the big plays, they bracketed, they played uh, two deep zones a lot, and we just didn't respond. I mean, I, I remember saying in the booth, we need to start throwing underneath. You know, you need to just take what they give you. Mm-hmm. Run the quick curls, run the quick out routes. And we did some of that. Uh, But then you get into a position where you get sacked. Now it's third down and 18 or third down and 20. And I don't care how good an offensive coordinator you are, it's tough to pull one of those out of your hat. And even if you're Russell Wilson, it's tough to to convert on those all the time. So just overall, we just played a a, kind of a stinker last week
0: and uh, need to get it fixed. And I'm sure the players got the message. No doubt. The Seahawks, though, have dropped three of their last five. In the meantime, the Rams with an impressive dominating win over New England last night. They've taken over first place in the great uh, NFC West. Uh, And I think, to be fair, uh, Seahawks basically have to run the table. Yeah, I I think you're right. Uh, Certainly we have to
3: win this week. We have to win in Washington. Uh, The Rams game is going to be the big one now. We have them up here. Uh, we we tend to play well uh, against the Rams in the second half of the Rams game when we played them down there earlier in the season is when we started to find our defense things started to come around and you know it's it's obvious what the Rams have become they've become a, a terrific running team. They're already a great defensive team. Now they can go too tight end. They can run the ball, and uh, and still have their crossing routes and Robert Woods and Cup and all those guys. They're they're a really diversified uh, football team, especially on offense. And the thing you have to do is you've got to make Jared Goff uncomfortable, and you got to shut down the run. So those two things we're going to have to do. We're going to have. Let's take care of uh, Aaron Donald up front. But we've been able to run the ball on the Rams a little bit at times. And if we can get back to that, uh, I think we'll have a little more success against them. And then after that, you have the always unpredictable 49ers. Mm -hmm. They always play us tough, and it doesn't matter where we're playing, in the Bay Area or up here or in Arizona or in Timbuktu, they always play the Seahawks
0: tough. Well, one uh, one of the contributing factors last week, I thought the job they did on DK Metcalf was great. He caught five balls, but he didn't hurt him. Um, and, and I know that Russell Wilson likes to go to him because, let's face it, he's a dominant target. He's a big, strong, fast guy who's going to catch a lot of balls. Uh, I'm just wondering if they've kind of lost Tyler Lockett in a way because I, they they went to him more, it seems, uh, say six, seven games ago than they seem to be going in the last two or three games.
3: Yeah, well... That one under your, under your hat, will you? Because we don't want anybody to know about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tyler actually, uh, uh, I think he caught six passes last week, um, quietly so. Uh, came out to be checked for concussion, uh, missed a couple of series, and then went right back in. He's as tough as any player I've ever met. But he didn't seem to be quite 100% once he got back in there. And then that's kind of to be expected. When you take the shot that he took uh, to the head, he got a knee to the head after making a catch. And man, he hit the ground hard. Um, I, 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 he's one of my keys to the game this week. Uh, and I think everybody that we play always looks toward DK because of the explosive plays. But what Tyler
0: brings you is an explosive play that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. cover 60 yards. I mean, it could be in
3: a 12-yard out route that he turns up field or runs through the uh, the zone and catches the ball 12 yards deep and turns it into a 40-yard play. That's the kind of player he is, and he really uh, had been Russell's, and I think still is to a large extent. When Russell's on the move, he's the best guy for Russ because he understands where Russ is going and how to get open. Um, Russ just couldn't find him last week, and that was a lot of the problem because he was under such duress. And... and You know, Russ will admit it. He didn't play his best game last week either. He had guys that he could have gotten the ball to, or had guys given DK a jump ball opportunity and just missed him, threw him, threw it over him, threw it out of bounds. So he's got to play better, Russ does, uh, as does the whole offense around him.
0: I look at, we're talking about Steve Rabel. He's the the voice of the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Beginning of the season, it was a foregone conclusion that Seattle was the team to beat in the division. Uh, obviously, uh, that may not be the case, but nobody's turning away from the Seahawks, Steve. Let's be real. I mean, people still look at the Seahawks as a dangerous football team. Everybody knows that.
3: Well, yeah, and, and I think the first place you look is. And, and regardless of, of the issues that Russ had last week and the fact that the you know the offense has kind of tailed off the last three or four weeks and you know he still had 26 touchdowns in the first seven games that's a lot of touchdown passes
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, and, and it shows that, that it, we, uh, something we all know out here certainly is that he is uh, as, as on the money with his passes he throws more guys open and he is more accurate with his passes than just about any quarterback I've seen uh, he is able to get out of trouble most of the time. Last week he had some problems because the Giants did a great job in in hemming him in. But if you have Russell Wilson on the field for you, you have a chance in every game. You have to be considered a playoff contender because he is uh, one of the top three quarterbacks in the league. That said, as our running game gets back up to speed, Chris Carson still isn't full speed yet. Rashad Penny is on his way back. He might be back. I doubt that he'll be back this week, but perhaps next week. Uh, And he could offer some, some Little, uh, some help. Josh Gordon is going to be around for the last two games. One of those games is the Rams. Can you imagine Josh Gordon on one side and DK Metcalf on the other with Tyler Lockett in the slot? Who do mm. you cover? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what do you look for? Uh, and then defensively, you know, we have the chance to be a decent defensive football team. We got a lot of great um, experience, leadership, at Bobby Wagner, DK, or uh, KJ Wright. So I, I think we can. I think we can play well there too. And Jamal Adams is playing like crazy lights out at the line of scrimmage, at a cover pad, covering receivers, uh, chasing down guys. So, you know, yeah, we, we should be considered in that mix, and I think we will be. I just wish, you know, you take care of business, especially here at home, because you want to have at least one, uh, maybe even two, if you can get them, playoff games
0: in your house. Well, this week the Jets won't have Denzel Mims, who's been a, a bright spot for an otherwise dismal season a uh, rookie wide receiver who's shown flashes, but he won't play. Uh, but that aside, um, the, 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 probably the best thing in a bad loss to the Giants was that Pete Carroll now has, hey, guys, look what happened to us last week. We're playing the team with the worst record in the league this week. you got to kick their butt from the first play of this game. And I, it's, is it a motivation? Look, this team doesn't need to be motivated. But I found it amusing Adam Gase today in the local papers was saying he's surprised to hear that Jamal Adams uh, didn't like him. And and I'm saying, Coach, he wanted out. What do you think the reason was? Exactly. Well, you know, and there are guys who
3: don't particularly like their coaches, and quite frankly, I played for coaches who said, I don't care if you like me, but you better play hard for me. And more importantly, you better play hard for your teammates and that's something that Jamal does. I mean, he he just he plays as hard as anybody I have seen. When you see him, you know, when he when he blitzes, we've talked about this before. One of the things the Seahawks tried to do real early and especially when uh, Jamal was was hurt was blitz a lot more, bring safeties, bring a lot, bring cornerbacks. The problem is they rarely got home. They rarely got to the quarterback. They rarely made the play. When Jamal Adams blitzes, he makes plays. And that's the difference. Uh, he, what, he's got seven and a half sacks already this season. That's more than any DB in the league. He, he's just really good at that. And so, you know, uh, so he doesn't like it, big deal. Uh, get him to play, and he will play for his teammates and for his organization. Uh, but at some point, you know, as a player too, you have to understand that Listen, uh, uh, if I'm not going to be happy here and I don't see a future here, then I better find some place
0: where I can have a future. Boy, he sure loves it out here. Well, I'm gonna, my, my my grandson's a big Jet fan. Why I don't know, but he is. But but he's <laughs> but he's 15. He's got an excuse. And so uh, we're going to be at uh, my daughter's house this weekend, and he's going to want to watch a Jet scam. And I said, No, we're we'll watching Red Zone. He goes, I want to watch the Jets. And I said, Then go up to your bedroom. Get out of here. So, <laughs> You know, we all have to have our teams, right, that that we love, and, uh, you know,
3: with with the recent uh, kind of coming on of of the Washington Football Club, you know, they're playing better, Um, um, the Giants obviously are playing better, Cowboys are really having some struggles, the Jets seem to be, uh, you know, for better or for worse, the, the Chargers have had a tough time of it as well, but the Jets seem to be the, the one team in the league that just hasn't been able to figure it out this year or the last couple of years. You know what's interesting? In the last few weeks, and I now, oh, if I have to do it for you right now, I, I can't remember right off the top of my head, but when I would look, especially at defenses that the Seahawks are getting ready to play and I'm putting together my spotting boards, I can't tell you how many high round draft choices of the Jets are starting on other teams. And these are guys that are just a couple of three years uh, away from being drafted by that club. Had they been able to keep even some of the guys that they thought were going to be good football players that now are, but playing for other teams, they might actually have something. So it shows you that there's something internal in that organization if guys want out or guys are being let out or traded uh, when they can still be, be really
0: uh, you know exceptional football players. I got a good note for you. The last 11... Number one draft choices of the Jets are no longer on their roster. Wow. So so where do you you point fingers? You point fingers where it belongs, at ownership. It starts at the top. You look at organizations like the Seahawks, like the Steelers, like Kansas City. You look at organizations that have consistent success, and it starts at the top, whether it's the ownership to the general manager and obviously to the coach. And the Jets have had disaster at the top, uh, and now. And if the president ever concedes, and Woody Johnson leaves, leaves his ambassadorship, uh, maybe he takes over the franchise. I don't know, uh, but they—they've got—they've uh, uh, got to look in the mirror and say, "Look, what we've been doing is not working." Right. Exactly. And you know, uh, as, as tough a pill to swallow
3: as it was, and it seems like a long time ago now. But the year uh, after Mike Holmgren left, you know, his last year was a 7-9 year here. He left, uh, went on eventually to become, uh, you know, the short-lived uh, president of the Browns organization. But we went with Jim Mora uh, as the head coach, and I thought it was a good choice. I like Jim. I've known Jim since he was a ball boy when I played uh, with the Seahawks, and his dad was our defensive line coach a thousand years ago. But It just didn't work, Jim. It didn't work for him, for the general manager. Uh, The team was in real bad straits. And Paul said, clear the decks. Paul Allen, the late Paul Allen said, clear the decks. And it was a tough choice. But they got rid of everybody upstairs and started over. And that's when you bring in Pete Carroll, who then had a hand in hiring a guy that he really felt, even though he hadn't met him before, but felt... Like, I can really work with this guy in John Schneider. And then John, with his experience, puts together the scouting department and the personnel department that the two of those guys knew they could work with. And between them, here's where we are. You know, two Super Bowls, one championship, uh, uh, countless playoff games, winning records, uh, all but one season since he's been here. That's how you build that. what you're talking about, that consistency over time. But the guys have to be able to work together at least.
0: Well, he would have had another Super Bowl ring if Marshawn Lynch carried the ball down that last series. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes, thank you for reminding everyone
0: about that, Howard. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, I, I think Pete Carroll's a hell of a coach. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think even he, if he had a Mulligan, would have taken that back. Oh, I think he would have, too. I,
3: you know, um, I, I, I'm – but, uh, you know – at the time, I could see why he did it. I, I, what I questioned was the execution. I didn't question the play call. Mm-hmm. I questioned the execution. I questioned the the receiver that we decided to throw the ball to. He, you know, he was like your fourth or fifth on the depth chart. He was basically a special teams guy, and the formation just happened to take Russell that way to make that throw. I would have I would have looked for Doug Baldwin. I would have looked for Jerome uh, Jermaine Kearse. Anybody else, uh, or in the case, as you mentioned, sure, hand it off. But. You know, look, the Patriots had their heavy elephant line up there. They had big guys.
0: So I didn't, I didn't quibble with the call, but the execution of it obviously didn't work. Uh, when I was calling the games with the Jets and Parcells was the coach, and I've known Bill since he was a defensive coordinator with the Giants in 82. So I spent three years doing the Jets and when he was the coach, and let's just say that it was more than enjoyable because of who he is and how good he is. But I said to him, we used to do a pregame show and i said to him uh, after a particular game he's a big proponent you know the guy that says if you can't gain a yard you shouldn't be then you shouldn't be allowed to win and i said i said let me let me revisit that phrase he goes what do you mean i said you ran the ball on first and goal at the 2 yard line three straight times into the middle with no gain and he goes yeah what would you have done i said personally the object is to score by whatever means necessary, right? he goes, okay, what would you have called? I said, I would have called play fake on the first down. And I guarantee you my tight end is going to be wide open in the end zone. And he said, so I should have you as my offensive coordinator. I said, coach, don't get me wrong. You know more football than i you forgot more than I'll ever know. I'm not questioning you for one second. I'm just saying, you asked me what I would do, I'm telling you what I would do. Well, Steve, this is the truth. The next week... This is when uh, this was '98 when they had a really good team and Testaverde had a had a career year, and uh, they, they they and Curtis Martin won the rushing title. They the, the next week in the fourth quarter they had a, a three point lead I think, and they had the ball first and goal at the two yard line, and they went play fake on first down. Okay, scored a touch scored a touchdown, win the game. Now, in the post, the, the way the setup was, I was working with the great uh, and late Dave Jennings. Uh, and, and Dave would, at, at the end of the broadcast, I would close out the broadcast. Dave would go downstairs to the locker room, and he would ask the first two questions of Parcells at the podium. So apparently what happened was Parcells said, when questioned by uh, by Jennings, "It's curious that you went a play action on first down from the two-yard line. He goes, well, talk to your partner. He gave me the idea. And so all the newspaper guys that are in there. They're shaking their head. What? What's he talking about? And so I close out the broadcast, Steve, and I go downstairs to the locker room after the game, and the re- one reporter by one reporter is coming over to me saying, Parcells gave you credit for the, scoring, for the play action on first down. I said, no. He goes, no, yeah. I went into his office, and I said, now, what did you do, bury me? So he said, No. I gave credit where credit is due, and I said, okay, I'm going to enjoy it today, but tomorrow I'm going to be back in the doghouse, all right, he goes, yes,
3: (laughs) (laughs) that's, you know, great coaches, yes, they're set in their ways, Um, but when you think about guys who who win football games, I remember Chuck Knox, you know, everybody knew ground Chuck, you know, he goes out and, and his draft choice here with the Seahawks was the great Kurt Warner the running back not the quarterback obviously yep. but the running back out of Penn State and a couple of years in kurt gets hurt and you know we have just some journeyman guys back there just guys back there running the football and ground chuck immediately flipped the switch and Steve Largent had one of his best years ever uh, as a wide receiver in the national football, except the franchise record. In fact, Metcalf has a chance to break that uh, franchise record in a couple of weeks, uh, but for total yards gained in a season. But he, he knew you have to be at least flexible enough to understand that you can't be a hard-ass, pardon me, all the time uh, and, and stick to your guns when, you know, your guns may not be firing. Uh, You need to do
0: what you need to do, as you said, to win the football game. Steve, let me ask you this. You haven't seen uh, Patrick Mahomes up close, but I watch every week that Kansas City plays, and I I don't think a week goes by that I don't go, wow, about six times. I mean, this kid, he does things that are so unconventional, but yet conventional, and He's as exciting a player as I've seen at that position in a long, long time. I mean, look, Russell Wilson's very exciting, so you get to see the same kind of player. But Patrick Mahomes, my goodness. I thought Magic Johnson was playing quarterback with some of the passes he made. Yeah, yeah,
3: he's, he's, he truly is special. I mean, really special. His vision, uh, his sense for where his receivers are or where they're supposed to be, he's got... Great, uh, great accuracy, and then of course his legs uh, that, that he can get out of almost any kind of uh, almost any kind of problem. He's he's really what you're right. He is one of a kind. Kyler Murray is one who, uh, if I were a defensive coordinator, uh, you know, I'd be sitting up at night trying to figure out Kyler Murray. He's not as accurate a passer, certainly, and he's still young. Of course, Mahomes is still young, but he, he is amazingly quick. Is Kyler Murray? I mean, those feet. Uh, you know, and he plays like a shortstop. The way he uh, gets that ball, he can sidearm it like Mahomes does. You know, Russell is more of a conventional over-the-top passer. Mm-hmm. Great, strong arm. But uh, those two guys, the way they can flick it uh, from the side, they can come over the top. Um, they, they can throw it on the run and do very well across their body. They're just a—they're a, a new breed of. Uh, outstanding athletes. Somebody asked me early in the season, how come offenses seem to be ahead of defenses this year? Was it is it the pandemic? Is it because of practice time? I said take a look at some of the athletes that are playing quarterback right mm-hmm. now. Look at how good these guys are. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm saying, how the heck do I stop these guys? So, I think that's one of the phases we're going through in football. We're just lucky enough to see some guys spectacular
0: uh, as athletes and also outstanding quarterbacks. Yeah, and you can throw Herbert into that mix as well. Well, uh, my guess yeah. is you're going to be rooting for the Giants this week because they got Arizona coming, coming to town. It's a critical game for both.
3: Yeah, uh, since, since uh, the
0: Patriots didn't do us any favors last night, yeah. man, they laid an egg big time. Uh, but, yeah, anytime we can see an NFC West team lose, we're always happy. Always enjoy the conversation, Steve. Thanks a million, and you stay safe. Howard, you too. Take care, my friend. We'll do that. Thank you. (coughs) He is um, Steve Rabel, the radio voice of the Seattle Seahawks. They're a fun team to watch. Metcalf is a bear. See, I wanted Tyler Lockett to catch more passes because he's on my fantasy team. I'm not going to lie to you. Never do. A lot of games this week, a lot of interesting games. The NBA preseason starts tomorrow night. We got it all, folks. Stay safe. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live.